from Sydney, Australia, to Nugatuck, Connecticut, in the U.S. of A. Welcome to Wrestling's Week That Was, presented by MainEventMadness.com. Here are your hosts, Joel the Man O'Brien, and Aaron the Mastermind, Ramadan. Don't you love it when technology forces you to on a phone where I hope you get, you guys can hear me and understand me, Aaron. Am I like audible and somewhat understandable while I'm on the phone here in Sydney, Australia? <laughs> I, I think it'll do for now, uh, just for this show. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. But we'll do the best we can, everybody. Welcome to Wrestling's Week That Was. Sounds like we're live on location, but we're still here in Sydney, Australia, while Aaron's still in Connecticut in the US of A. And, um, and Aaron, how's your week going, and uh, are you ready to talk some wrestling? Yeah, uh, pretty good week so far. Uh, um, for me, it's finals week for, for school, so um, I've been cramming for books and watching wrestling at the same time, so it's been a uh, hellacious week for me, to say the least. Yeah, I can imagine. I'm trying to find that balance, but uh, I'm sure. Hopefully, we all wish you well for your finals. Uh, but it, in the meantime, with uh, with, all, with the schedule of wrestling, we're going to talk about. We have a ton to talk about today, as always. Apparently, a mutiny of sorts hit uh, the WWE main roster uh, this week, following the events of uh, NXT's incredible NXT Takeover show from last Thursday, uh, Thursday night. Uh, what exactly happened and what were the repercussions? So we've got some answers for that question upcoming. Uh, we'll also talk the first steps towards the Royal Rumble, as well as talking Raw, and why I refuse to watch it this week. Why? Well, we'll get again to reasons why. Plus, we'll talk about NXT, Super SmackDown Live, and so much more. But before we get delve into this week's hot topics, remember we are currently on iTunes and Stitcher as we speak. So if you're looking for a practical way to help uh, help the show out and stay in touch with what we offer, um, download, for the time being, download uh, PWP Radio Network. They'll give you access to all the other shows that we've uh, that me and Aaron have done and that I have done on my own. Uh, obviously, when we are making a massive move to maineventmadness.com, we're going to have all the information for you all set up, ready to go for next week. So you can find us easily. We'll hopefully have a website and a Facebook page set up. So it's going to be very easy to find us anywhere you, wherever you are in the world. Um, but obviously, we uh, talked about the fact that we had a Jeff Jarrett interview. And uh, we got that recorded over the, uh, the past week. Um, we've decided, as a little bit of a treat for the final episode that we're going to have on PWP Radio, we're going to do a best of 2014 uh, kind of uh, wrap up a show, considering that the week is going to really be uh, kind of uh, you know directed towards Christmas themes and whatnot. So we're going to just talk about what was what was good, what was bad out of 2014, and end on a very very high note by having the interview that we uh, conducted with Jeff Jarrett in the final uh, final half of the show, uh, just to kind of uh, provide a nice little send off to. Uh, Wrestling's week that was uh, on PWP Radio Network, and then obviously we're going to go into Main Event Madness next next year. So, um, yeah, big show next week. The best of 2014 awards they're coming to us uh, next week, and uh, 
stay tuned for all the details to that. So, Aaron, now we've got uh, obviously TLC uh, wrapped this week, and uh, there's a lot lot of kind of uh, backstage uh, high tensions uh, following uh, how good NXT TakeOver was and how there was a lot of pressure to perform uh, on TLC. Uh, Well, first of all, we'll just get get it out of the way. Do you think the uh, main event roster performed at the level that they should have uh, following t- uh, NXT Takeover? Uh, no, I think that's. I, I, I feel like I can confidently say no on that. I, I think I think they wanted to, and I, I think the main roster wanted to kind of outshine the developmental system uh, that past Thursday. And, and going into TLC, there was, you know, this big, you know, kind of um, just this big kind of uh, feeling that they wanted to outshine the, the NXT roster. And there was, uh, you know, a couple of reports were saying that, uh, you know, it was really quiet backstage. Usually there's a lot of joking around and, and you know, it's, it's kind of a free-flowing atmosphere backstage. Apparently on Sunday that was not the case and it was very serious and a lot of people were focused on their matches. So I believe that they were trying to outshine the uh, NXT roster from this past or last Thursday, but uh, that obviously wasn't the case. The TLC kind of fell flat on its face when it comes to an overall show um, compared to NXT Takeover. I mean, yeah, there was a lot of like crazy bumps, a lot of gimmick matches, and I think you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot the minute you have ladder matches, chairs matches, stairs matches, all in one show. <laughs> To the point where I, I could see where they were coming from by having Bray Wyatt and Dean Ambrose close the show out. Because it's like, well, we're going to have the young guys. They're going to step up. And just like NXT TakeOver did with all those young guys, we're going to have young guys in our main event. And they're going to completely outshine what happened on uh, last Thursday. But uh, in the end, I mean, like it's Dean Ambrose and Bray Wyatt were put into a very, very uh, hard situation to kind of like make the fans... Uh, care about their feud and care about the match all in one go when everyone's seen all the plunder spots all the way through the show. But uh, what is this silent protest that uh, you were telling me about? Obviously, you know, this ties into the the news topics that are powered by coolwrestlingnews.com, the site that you run that is purely like a a uh, news-based website. What is the silent protest that was going on uh, uh, following uh, the events of TLC? Well, apparently a bunch of the top uh, wrestling news sites like PW Insider and, and Wrestling Observer were, were stating that going into uh, TLC, there were some that were looking to uh, do a silent protest in a, in a way of kind of maybe throwing in the towel for their matches um, in a protest of Vince McMahon and wanting Triple H to take over his power uh, or take over um, on the main roster, and you know, apparently there was this big meeting backstage with all the talent, and John Cena apparently led that meeting, and uh, kind of told the guys that that's not the way you handle things, and we've got to go out there and perform for the fans because the fans did nothing wrong, and we've got to go out there and perform from them, and and that really shows John Cena's leadership as far as um, being a locker room leader. But apparently, yep, like you said, there's this kind of silent protest going on um, for you know Triple H to take over on the main roster. Apparently the main roster is jealous of the NXT roster and the creative freedom they have. They, you know, um, they, they, Triple H allows uh, the NXT roster to have input in their matches, input in their promos. They have a lot of more free reign 
than the main roster does. So they, they feel like they're getting um, held down when the main when the NXT roster is kind of being presented as this you know fiery brand that's outshining them. And I think you know that's that has a lot to do with it. And you know it's it's a little interesting. I mean I, you know <laughs> I don't know what if this will do anything for Vince McMahon if, if if he knows about this or if this is just a bunch of wrestling websites that are just throwing this out there on pure speculation, but um, it's very interesting and, and it's, it's something that, you know, we don't really see often. Yeah. I mean, we heard during the week um, following NXT takeover, I, like, I think there's obviously a lot of uh, speculation as to why the show was so good, why it was booked so well. And I, I heard that the writing team down there in Orlando, Florida is, simply like one or two people. It was one person that kind of headed up the writing team for NXT TakeOver, and then he has another person that kind of, like, does the television. And they kind of, like, you know, deliberate between the two of them. I mean, like, whereas on, on Raw and SmackDown and Main Event, you've got, like, 20, like 25, I think, 25 or 29 writers. Yeah. It's just like the streamlining um, uh, of ideas is... It's incredibly like profound when you look at how well T is. Yes, I know it's only one show and it only goes for an hour, but at the same time, like uh, back in the day, I'm pretty sure that Vincent Mann only had like a handful of writers that he trusted, like Pat Patterson's and and uh, and he's had the confidence that he had in the 80s and uh, 80s and 90s. And uh, he's reasoning for, with a uh, Vincent Mann uh, and on uh, Vincent on Steve Austin's podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago. It's very much like, oh, well, we're going to a size where we need that many writers. And it's like, well, really? Do you really need that many writers? Don't you just need to kind of strict the, the team down and actually have just some some of your trusted writers? And, and if the if well, I've forgotten this, if the engine's not not broken, why fix it? Like you know, the, that it was one of the hottest periods of, uh, in wrestling. I don't understand why you can't follow through with that uh, in in another sense. But you know. Moving into your other news as well, it kind of maybe ties into uh, uh, the main roster kind of freaking out about you know the, the quality of shows because the quality of show has been let's just face it it's sucked for the last like couple of weeks. So we got some big names apparently appearing on the on the go home show for the Royal Rumble to kind of maybe band aid the situation. Well, yeah, they've got um, Edge and Christian appearing uh, reportedly sometime soon, either next week or the week after that. Um, they've got Shawn Michaels, Hulk Hogan. Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, you know, all appearing on one show um, pretty soon. So, you know, this just clearly seems to me like a ratings grab, you know, because of, you know, the the ratings last couple weeks on Raw haven't been great. Um, And it's it's clearly just something to to get people to watch again as they move toward um, the Royal Rumble. And this is one of the biggest problems with WWE, and, and a lot of people... Um, agree with this is that you know once the Royal Rumble comes around and once we get into WrestleMania, they start bringing all these guys back, and they think this is how it should be. But in the uh, in the off months like December, uh, you know September, all the the, the um, gimmick quote unquote pay per views that we talk about, um, they, they don't have these guys. So it almost seems like this is more important than developing the small the the, the guys you have on your main roster every night. And I, I just feel like this is just a clear, just ratings grab. They're just trying to get people to watch him. 
It's simple. Like, sure, you can have as many big stars from the past on one show as you like. You can throw them all out there. You can have a reunion show like they're going to do for the go-home show uh, for the Royal Rumble. That's fine. But if the TV content isn't up to par and hasn't been adjusted uh, due to, you know, the problems that you've had, then it's pointless. Sure, you'll get, you'll, you'll, like, it's, it's hot-shutting for, for ratings, like, like you just said. And it's a pure example of that. But if the content hasn't changed, if the content isn't better, then there's no real point in, in doing things like this. Like, I, I, rather than spend the money and, 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 and maybe do a, a TV special where you build up on, 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 on rivalries and content and maybe focus focus on like this one thing that kind of gets me as well with these these specials that they do where you have they have a theme show on the go home show for a pay per view like isn't this going to detract from like the actual go home nature of the show before Royal Rumble isn't the Royal Rumble going to become somewhat of a back date or background kind of like issue where it should be on the forefront. Yeah, I mean that's one of the biggest problems that you know we just saw that uh, recently with the Slammy Awards as it was the go home show for TLC and it was just it was just misplaced and kind of odd and there was really no meaning to it and TLC kind of was put on the back burner so it's it's so tough to it's so tough to just maneuver that and they don't understand that you know bringing these guys on yes will will get a ratings bump but unless you sell the pay per view there's really no point to it. Exactly right. Yeah, I mean, like in saying that, there's a way of like I'm just thinking fantasy booking wise. There's a way of doing a show like that where you could get the rub and put it on, uh, put it on some of the guys that are entering the Royal Rumble. I mean, you've got a ton of people that actually competed in the Royal Rumble, uh, you know, appearing mm-hmm. on that show. So obviously, there's ways of doing it, but you know, uh, if history's told us one thing, it's sometimes they just fall in love with these these amazing segments that they want to do and be very nostalgic. And the one thing that suffers is the Royal Rumble. And uh, we will get into the Royal Rumble and the, and the uh, well, let's get into it very, very quickly. Like, you know, we've started the road to the, to the Royal Rumble. We're getting some ideas of some matchups, encounters. Um, I've actually been quite impressed with the fact that, you know, it's all very, very fresh. But what's your take on the Royal Rumble? We're like very early. Obviously, we've got six weeks until the actual event. Uh, but early predictions. What are we? What are we predicting for the outcome of the uh, of the the, champ, the the WWE Championship match and the Royal Rumble itself? Um, I, I think they're working some cool storylines into the Rumble match itself. Whether it's going to be you know um, Big Show and, and Reigns, whether it's Rusev and Ryback, which we'll talk about later on. Um, you know they, they've got a bunch of you know little storylines that are going to probably mix in to the Rumble card itself or into the Rumble match. I'm not sure if they're going to put, if they're going to have Reigns and, and Big Show face each other and then, you know, have them have them in the Royal Rumble match later on. I don't know if they they do that anymore. They used to do that all the time. Um, but I think Lesnar and Cena is going to be interesting. Um, I think this is a make-or-break moment for, for Brock Lesnar and his contract, of course, coming up, uh, or it's up for re- renegotiation very soon. And his contract, of course, expires toward WrestleMania. So um, they've got to make a decision either if they want Lesnar to hold the title all the way until WrestleMania or do they want Cena to take it off of him and and go into WrestleMania as the champion. There's a lot of possibilities. And a lot of people are saying that there's no way John Cena can win and beat Lesnar, which I think is kind of foolish. I mean, I I don't 
I don't think he should win, but there's there's a very big possibility that he could uh, take the title off of uh, Brock Lesnar. We haven't heard very much about Brock Lesnar's contract, contract situation. It's very, very much uh, kept in, shrouded in secrecy. And that's good, actually. It's good because, you know, it really kind of makes this championship match very hard, hard to predict. Where do you go? Do you go with Lesnar and take him to the take him to WrestleMania and have uh, Roman Reigns be the one to defeat him? Is Roman Reigns going to be the one? We're going to get into that very, very, very quickly, uh, very um, in a second. In regards to the other news of the week, is he going to still be the one that's going to like take the championship away? Do you go the safe bet like they had before? Do you put the championship on John Cena? And if it's Roman Reigns, is it going to be Roman Reigns and John Cena? At WrestleMania, you know, obviously you got to uh, think about where. It, go ahead. I was going to say that's a very that's a very good possibility. We've talked about that a bunch of times. Where if Cena does win, it kind of transfers the legitimacy to to John Cena. You know, John Cena beat Lesnar, Lesnar beat Taker. So indirectly, you still get that same impact of of having Reigns beat beat Lesnar by having him beat Cena. It, it's almost the same thing, even. Maybe even more so because John Cena is a, a 16-time world champion. At that point, if he would have, if we, he would have won the the title at Rumble, he'd become a 16-time world champion. So you'd have Reigns beat a 16-time world champion, beat the guy who beat the streak, and then beat the streak indirectly. So that might even help Reigns more than beating Lesnar by himself. You've also got to look at the uh, fan reception to this match. You got to look at the WrestleMania crowd. You got to look at like, who who they're going to favor. And obviously, you know, it's 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 early days to say where the fans are going to be at in regards to Roman Reigns. If Roman Reigns is still going to be the chosen one uh, coming into WrestleMania, you got to look at uh, what, what the fans are going to... If it's going to be Brock Lesnar versus uh, Roman Reigns and he hasn't had the best build-up, what is the match that you want to put in front of these fans at WrestleMania? Is it more... Will the fans be much more receptive because of a bit more of a hardcore audience to the fact that it's going to be John Cena that Roman Reigns beats, or are they going to risk it with the you know the, the hardcore fan base that loves Brock Lesnar, and they may side you know do they take the risk and go well you know we've invested all this time in Roman Reigns, it's going to pay it's going to pay off, or is you know is, is Brock Lesnar going to get all the cheers? So you know there's that element to it as well. I think. Uh, if you go by it, like at this stage in the game, maybe John Cena might be the the, the better choice to to leave Royal Rumble as WWE champion and go into WrestleMania as champion. If Roman Reigns is going to be the one, but uh, obviously time will tell in that regard. But speaking of Roman Reigns, uh, apparently some rumors going around that he's getting a D push, thanks to uh, uh, some lackluster promos since returning to the main roster. Yeah, I mean, apparently WWE kind of might be second guessing there if Roman Reigns is ready for that main event push right now, and you know we've kind of seen the evidence of that in the last couple of weeks with his promos, and they've even talked about maybe having Dean Ambrose step into that spot. Of course, he's been getting over the fans. He's much more, um, he's much better on the mic. Uh, you know, he his matches. They've even you know thought that his matches have been better than Reigns's as far as um, you know entertainment value goes. Now. Uh, you know, and I think you and me are kind of on the same boat here, where we think Reigns' promos, they they haven't been good, but I don't know if that's his fault, in a sense. I think it's a lot of it has to do with, with WWE and their 
their micromanaging of his promos. I mean, I remember before they were pushing him to the moon uh, as a single star, he was he was shining in some of the the Shield promos. I mean, he was he was one of the you know whenever he spoke, it was just very cool, it was very calm. And I think they've got to get back to that. They're trying to make him into this John Cena type that smiles and and you know does the, these weird like awkward promos. And it just I don't think that's him. I think you need to let him be him. You know, Chris Jericho had a um, you know uh, w- w- with his podcast this week with with Ryback, and he you know he made a good point that the best WWE characters are the people that are themselves but 10 times more, you know, or amped up to 10, you know, it, it, it's the, the, the personality of that person is what gets them over. If they, you know, and, and I think they just need to let Roman Reigns be himself. I totally agree. Um, we will be getting into the Roman Reigns promo issue later on in the, uh, the podcast of the week, because uh, Steve Austin had Dave Meltzer on and they kind of had a really good discussion about promos and letting, um, a talent talk themselves. Um, and, the, and the best thing is, it's like, this is not hard. Like, you know, like, there's a reason why the industry is being made on, like, you know, ad-lib promos and whatnot. I don't want to get into it too d- deeply, but yes, Roman Reigns' best times was when he was just charismatically feeding off, like, vibes from the live crowd and going with his own gut instead of having a writer go with their own gut and perceive what the situation is going to be you know, days before the actual uh, segment airs, you know, like, and I don't think that's the way to kind of do promos. It's never been the way to do it. And uh, guys like Roman Reigns, like women, they, some people just can't read lines, and that's fair enough. But mm-hmm. we'll get into that later on in the show. Um, let's go straight into TLC. What did we learn from TLC this year, this year in 2014? And uh, as Aaron kind of alluded to during the show, you know, it wasn't the best show. Yeah, it had it had its moments, I guess, but it kind of just left me flat, to be honest. Um, I'll, I'll go with my first thing, thing that I learned from TLC. Like, brutal gimmick matches don't make five star matches and are injury prone the whole way through. Um, obviously, I'm alluding to the opener between uh, Luke Harper and Dolph Ziggler. I think everyone's kind of in unison that this was the best match on the show. Personally, I just. It was just a demolition derby, and I hate to use their own way of like marketing their own show, but it really, really was. I think that was their goal. They sold it, but they were just taking ridiculously stupid bumps. They were absolutely brutalizing themselves, and all I could think of is that I just watched NXT TakeOver, uh, Our Evolution. We heard all the hype going into the into TLC, how the, the roster was going to rally and go, oh, we're going to show the NXT as a how to do a pay-per-view, and I'm like, if this is the way that they're going to try and garner towards the crowd, the live crowd, and to the live audience, like, I'd rather see proper, good wrestling instead of just seeing these guys brutalize themselves and bust them open, bust themselves open for for the sake of a of an opening match, which I think, and you can argue with me if you like, Aaron, I think this completely killed the energy and the um, Emotion because it was it did it pretty much just covered everything you want from a pay per view in the opening match. Oh wow, I I completely disagree. I thought that this match was maybe rival for the match of the night. I, I think you know Harper and um, Harper and and Ziggler I think clearly showed that they are they have a fire in their belly and they were they were very um, 
fired up to go out there and start the show, especially coming off the heels of TakeOver. Um, I thought a lot of the, you know, I completely agree with you in some respect where, you know, a lot of the moves were very stiff um, and very unsafe. Um, and that one spot where, you know, Luke Harper dives on the outside and lands almost face oh, first on brutal. a ladder. I mean, I, I thought brutal. his arm was broken. I, I even tweeted, you know, how is his arm not hanging by a, like, it, it must have been sore the next day. I mean, I, I'm just surprised he didn't have a couple broken bones in there, but he did receive staples in his head uh, later that night. Five, and I think. Both guys were just, yeah, about five staples, yeah. And it was just a brutal match. I thought that match kind of, Got everyone fired up. Now, I think, and one thing I learned from from this pay-per-view is to never, ever, 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 ever have a stairs match again. Not, I'm just like I'm just so baffled by one. We, and we've been saying the last couple of weeks, what the hell is a stairs match? Like, what what's the point of having these two guys throw each other in the stairs? Especially that one spot where they have like four stairs stacked against each other, and and R- Rowan gets thrown through it like big deal. Like we've seen people get thrown through stairs. Like big bump there, uh, big bump. Oh my god! And they sold it like there was this, this huge bump, and the fans were just not into this match. And I think this was the match that killed the show. I thought Harper and Rowan got to a nice start. I thought the tag team match afterwards was solid with with some comedy from from Miz down Miz. And then this match just completely sucked the wind out of that arena. I mean, it was you could hear a pin drop. So I feel like we've definitely learned to never have a stairs match again. Can't can't argue with you on that one. Yeah, it's uh, that was it's fact. Um, but at the same time, I, I, just very quickly, just going back to that the Harper Ziggler match and and to the stairs match that you mentioned as well. WWE's roster is very thin. Mm-hmm. No, I completely. Hello. All right. I guess. Uh, I guess Joel um, is gone. Um, I think I'm still on the air. I don't know if Joel's still on the air. Um, so I guess like he was. I think he was about to say that you know the roster is pretty thin, and I feel like. The roster has, I don't know if the roster's thin, but I feel like the roster has gotten to the point where um, it's it's really just a matter of building stars. And this goes back to what we've talked about a hundred times is that we don't know what WWE backstage feels like if they, and Vince McMahon even said on, his, on the podcast with Steve Austin that, you know, we don't, they don't have a, a lot of depth at in, in the main main event scene, let alone the entire roster. So they've got to resort to special attractions like like uh, like Dolph Ziggler, uh, or, or I mean um, Brock Lesnar or Sting or or guys like that, and bringing back guys like Hogan and, and Shawn Michaels and all that. So um, I feel like we've got something where it's hard to um, maneuver. Uh, these kind of things, and it's hard to, um, it's hard to just, it's hard to build stars. That's the biggest thing. It's hard to build stars, and and of course, that's that's one of the biggest things we talked about a hundred times. Hello, Aaron. Can you hear me? Yep. Hello, Aaron. Can you hear me? 
Yeah, we'll stop. Yeah, I hear you. Okay. Uh, did you guys continue without me, or am I? We just. Yeah, I continue without you. <laughs> I, I just went for a little bit, and that's about it. So. Nah. Uh, sorry for everyone who uh, just was wondering what the hell's going on. This is what happens when you mess with Blog Talk Radio and you you mess with technology on a Sunday morning here in Australia. So it's live radio, and obviously uh, we, uh, we apologize for the inconvenience caused by that one. Uh, what were you on? What subject were you on uh, at the moment, Aaron? I'll try and pick up from where uh, from where I left off. I didn't really move too far. I just kind of stuck on the uh, Eric Rowan and uh, Big Show thing, and we we were talking. You were about. I think you were about to make the point that. The, the roster is so slim and it's hard to it, it, they've they've done a really tough job of making stars and 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 having a, a deep roster. Well, that's well, that's right. Like you know, I'm watching this Harper Ziggler match and I'm watching this stairs match as well, and the chairs match. I'm seeing these guys beat the absolute hell out of each other, and like as you said, like with Harper doing these ridiculous bumps where he's like breaking, he could break his arm. Ziggler's falling off this ladder and he. And he keeps he keeps jacking his arm on on the on the rope, and it looks like he's breaking it every single time he drops it. It's like all the times to kind of force your roster into a situation where there might be long term injuries. This was the pay per view for that. Like it just it, it it kind of boggles my mind that you would try and have a safer kind of environment going into your biggest period of the of the of the calendar year with the Royal Rumble, you know, Fast Lane as it's called now. And WrestleMania, it's like, for, could you imagine? Could you imagine that uh, Dolph Ziggler gets taken out? Could you imagine if uh, if uh, Dean Ambrose, like like you know, like broke his back or like, injured his back from all those elbow drops in the main event off ladders? Could you imagine if like if John Cena, John Cena, the most broken man in pro wrestling right now, who's like somehow continuing continuing on? Could you imagine if like he ended up getting like you know? A, 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 a dislocated elbow, uh, a torn ACL. Could you imagine if he was out going into WrestleMania? I just thought these these matches. I don't know. The safety the safety factor was just kind of like thrown out the window to to garner a really a B grade pay per view. I mean, yeah, but I think that, but it's hard to to tailor that down. I think a lot of the Ziggler and Harper thing was, was those two guys just saying, we're going to outshine everybody tonight. And, and I think Ziggler always has that fire. And I think for the most part, I would assume Luke Harper has that fire as well. So I think that match was just a lot of them being themselves and, and just trying to just kill it. Um, but that is a really good point that, you know, the one of them could have got hurt, but you know, that's wrestling. So I mean, you know, it, it's hard to, mm. um, it's hard to, I guess guard that or 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 tailor that down. Yeah, I'm like, I'm all for Harper and Ziggler stealing the show and all that stuff, and it's an open. It's, it's obviously uh, I'm a very old school kind of like pro wrestling kind of fan, and it's like I don't know if this is the fault of the actual pay per view itself, or if it's uh, you know the structure of the pay per view to give. Well, well, I'll, I'll lead into one of the things I learned straight away, straight away that I mentioned kind of earlier in the show. In fact, more than one hardcore gimmick per pay-per-view can ruin the rest of these gimmick matches. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if it's the fault of Luke Harper and Dolph Ziggler kind of saying, well, fuck it, we're going to like just do the best we can. And, 
and steal the show. Or if it's like they should, someone should say, well, listen, we can't have you go do every single thing because at the end of the day, you're the opener. You know, you're you're getting the fans excited, sure, but at the same time, you gotta you can't give the fans absolutely everything 100% early in the match, or early in the show, that early in the show, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, is is it the fault of the actual pay-per-view itself or is it the fault of the of the wrestlers kind of realising, well, we can't completely give the fans everything they want straight off the bat because at the end of the day, we're not the main event, we're the opener. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a solid point. I, mean, I, I, can, I can see where you're coming from from there, but, you know, why why not? You know, why why can't we get everything we want? Why can't every match be topping the, net, the one before it? That's the that's the, the never ending cycle. You know, it's they're always. Try, I think every match tries to outdo the the one previous. So, if if the match starts that that great, then it only leaves the bar higher for the next match. And I think that's that that's a good formula to have, where you have the guys go out there and kill it the first match, and then every other match will be great. That's what you hope to happen. Um, but of course, we we know that that doesn't happen. So you, you make a good point, but at the same time, it's it's you kind of want the openers to kill it so every other match can top that match. Did you learn anything else from this uh, TLC pay per view at all? Uh, there's, there's, oh. there's one point that I actually, yeah, yes, go. Um, the one point I, I, I definitely um, took away from this is that I, I think it's official. I think. Uh, JBL, I think Michael Cole, and I think Jerry Lawler need to be replaced. Um, I thought their commentary for this show was absolutely awful. Uh, I think it started in the, the Ziggler and Harper match where, you know, they made no illusion or no hint or they didn't say once that that match was for the Intercontinental Championship. They, they, you just – it's so hard – for, it's so hard to just be satisfied with their commentary because it's so bad. You know, they've got to, you know, you have these two guys, Ziggler and Harper, killing each other in the opening match, you know, with a ladder and, and they're, they're flying around, they're getting hurt, they're starting to bleed. But yet they make no, um, they, they don't say anything about this is all for the Intercontinental Championship. Sell that this match is for the most prestigious title available right now, considering. Um, Brock Lesnar has been away. Like, sell that point. Sell that it's for the Intercontinental Championship. Even later on in the show, they, 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 it's just I'm so sick of this commentary team. And I, especially after NXT Takeover, where you had Alex Riley, Rich Brennan, and Corey Graves call such a great show. Mm-hmm. It's so hard mm-hmm. to to like this commentary team. I mean, they're just awful. Yeah, they're really, really bad. They are very, very bad. Um, and with the Intercontinental Championship, it's this company is very, very odd. Um, like uh, in, uh, I noticed in SmackDown, uh, um, which we'll get to in a bit, but obviously uh, Dolph Ziggler ended up challenging um, Seth Rollins to a main event match for the show. And they're doing this promo, and they not once mention the fact that Dolph Ziggler is the Intercontinental Championship. They never allude to the fact. They never bring it into the promo. And if you look at just the way the Intercontinental Champion is treated, it's almost like it's just it's just an afterthought. But that is, it's like it's like it's like a the ugly stepchild that no one really wants to talk about this, this championship. But like like oh, it's a little bit off topic, I right? sure. But like we look at Luke Harper's Intercontinental Championship reign. 
look like now that he's not champion and moved on to other things, what a, a useless title reign he had. And maybe it's part of the fact that the commentating team doesn't talk about it and, and put it over. I mean, like, you know, Michael Cole put it over pretty strong, but they do it in these really sporadic situations on pay-per-view. Where it's like, oh, oh, wow, yeah, 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 trying to sell us on it. And I always, like, just groan. It's like, oh, well, if you want to, you can't just do it here and then, then never do it again. You need to continuously do it every single show and, and, and treat it with some respect. Um, but mm-hmm. in regards to, I'm a little bit off topic, but in regards to the commentary chain, this, this is an ongoing thing where, like, they are a little bit better than they used to be, but that's not really high praise. They need to absolutely lift their game, especially when the NXT takeover crew and the, the NXT crew are just like, it's weird. They t- it's almost like they teach the fundamentals of what it is to be good commentators in NXT. And then they go to the main roster, and it's just like, that's not what we do here. What we do here is we just make jokes, and we talk about anything but the match. Um, we, we, we know we, we just make the, the most uh, uh, basic of observations, but that is a very good point. That was TLC, everybody. Um, you know, it's like lost a way to kind of end the uh, pay-per-view calendar, but we do have the Royal Rumble coming up in January, so there's that to look forward to. But uh, the Royal Rundown, let's move into Monday Night Raw. The show that I did not watch, I was a very down wrestling fan at the start of the year. Sorry, at the start of the year. At the start of the week. I just... I did, Raw was just pissing me off. I saw this TLC, TLC pay-per-view. There was really nothing to really write home about. I was just kind of just down on WWE. And I was like, you know what? I, just, I, just, I, I can't go through three hours of Raw again if it's going to be crap. And I heard, I didn't watch it because I don't usually watch it uh, live, but I ended up hearing about the results. I heard about the 30-minute opening segment that apparently Aaron, wrote, Aaron, you wrote about this week, and obviously you can talk about how good it is later on if you like to. <laughs> but uh, uh, a few... Yeah, I mean... Yeah, please. I, I, I wrote a small little piece on my own website, um, er-report.wibbly.com, if you want to go check it out. I... Um, I talked about the long opening segments for Raw, and it seems like it's a pattern. It seems like there's a formula to it where they have Cena come out, they have Rollins come out, they trash talk a little bit, and then there's a six-man tag match later on. It's just, and even with the authority, they have the authority come out, talk about something. Uh, Cena comes out, they talk about something, and then it's it's just, it goes so long. It feels like it's an hour long, you know, and I bet if you took the time, the average time, for the entire year of opening segments, I guarantee you it's a 15 minute, at least 15 minutes every week of just talking to start a show. It, you know, for a I wrestling show. Man, well, well, that's the thing. Vince McMahon sells it as a sports entertainment show, but the essence of the show is wrestling. And I understand you're trying to tell a story. You're trying to set up the night, the night story. You know, for this past week, you had Rollins. And, and Cena, and, and of course they're setting up the steel cage match that we saw later on in the night. I understand that they have to set up a story, but you can set that story up with 30 seconds opening the show with a quick little, uh, you know, you have a camera go over to the commentary team, have Michael Cole sell you that tonight it's John Cena versus Seth Rollins in a steel cage match. That's it. That's all. You don't need to sell that. That's already selling itself. So instead yep. you bring this 15-minute segment with these two guys talking back and forth and you had Jericho there 
of course, and, you know, and I, you know, I like Jericho. I, I think he's an all-time Hall of Famer. You know, his credentials speak for themselves. But he's gotten so mind-numbing, boring. It's it's so, mm-hmm. and it's not his fault. It's just they bring him back for this stuff, and he just it doesn't translate anymore. And I've said him a hundred times over: if you're going to bring him back, he needs to be a heel. That's it. That's he. He just the babyface Jericho just doesn't get over anymore. It, it, it's it's just it's uh, the opening segment for Raw is just it needs a lot of work. It really does. I don't know why. We can't start Raw with a, a solid 10-minute match or, or a 15-minute match. Just have two guys go out there and wrestle. And then on commentary, you can have the, the, the commentators sell what's going to happen later on in the show. I mean, it's just – it's so easy. It's so – it's not hard to book an opening segment for your show. It's really not. Apparently, it's hard. Apparently, it's even harder now that they've got three hours worth of television time. Like, it's – apparently, it's hard to fill that up. Because that's why they do 30-minute opening segments. And you know, it's, it's, very quickly, Jericho, yes, needs to be the heel. I mean, he's dressed like a heel. I saw photos from Raw. He's just wearing a scarf. Mm-hmm. Uh, what babyface wears a scarf with all that stuff on? You look like an absolute douche. You know, like, like it's just ridiculous. But, like, I thought your, your job was to convince me why Raw was a good show. I mean, like, I'm, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm hearing this review... I'm hearing a review of the show. I'm hearing that Jericho's coming out there cracking jokes about about Lana and Rusev. I'm like, what the hell? They're recycling all these old matches that we see off the pay-per-view. Same old shit. New Day versus uh, Stardust and Goldust. We have uh, you know that relay tag match where it combines two rivalries that apparently were over, but they're not. We have... The continuation of Bray Wyatt and Dean Ambrose, even though they had a TLC match at the pay-per-view, was the only reason why people kind of thought the show was bad. I, I, actually, my, my last point, my last point, and I know that we discussed this during the week, and you were like, well, there's no reason why this should have happened because it hasn't happened before. But there was zero mention of NXT TakeOver Our Evolution from Thursday. Zero. Nothing. You're telling me that they couldn't have put through a 90-second video package that put it put over the, the excellence of the show that we saw. We actually saw a really good. Uh, we saw multiple great videos uh, on NXT promoting the show that uh, was already on the network. They're trying to sell this network, right? And we uh, it's all in agreement that the NXT Takeover Our Evolution was probably one of the best events, bar none, of the whole year, right? So why can't they just put up a vignette saying, hey, you know how Charlotte was on the television last week? Well, hey, this is where she fought, and many others did, an NXT TakeOver Our Evolution. It was a fantastic show. Here's some highlights. Boom. You're telling me that they can't put this in on a three-hour show? Like, it's just ridiculous. How, like, and I wonder why no one's buying the network. NXT TakeOver is a great reason to buy the network. What's going on? It, it might be the only reason, honestly. I mean, and that's a, that's a good point. I mean, it, it's – and I understand that WWE wants to kind of keep the two brands kind of separate. And, and oh, if you, I understand. You know, I, I get that we, we you'd like to see it, but I, I don't know. I just don't know the – what would it – I mean, I understand that, you know, it would sell this the network and – and you know, 
but you make you do make a good point that you know they could have just done a 90 second promo package. They didn't even have to allude to it. They could have just done during commercial or something, and while they're coming back or or something along those exactly. lines. I, I don't think I don't think yep. a 90 second commercial for NXT Takeover would have hurt anybody. Um, and, I, and I understand why you're upset about it. I mean, I understand, and I, I think <laughs> they sh- they could have easily done that. I mean, it wasn't it wouldn't have wouldn't have taken much. No, no, not at all. But I will give you this. I'll give you, we'll give you this. I decided when I heard that Brock Lesnar was returning, I'd watch the Brock Lesnar stuff and I watched the main event because I heard some good stuff about it. And it's funny because like, Lesnar hasn't been on television and the minute he comes on, the minute that music hits, the minute he F5'd uh, Chris Jericho and the minute he got himself involved in that main event, you're just like, okay, now we're on the road to something where something's really on the line. Now we're on the road to the Royal Rumble. Now we're on the road to something that's, you know, a big, a important event that's coming up. Um, he's just got that, he's just got that aura about him that every single time he comes down there, it's just the perfect, he's the perfect uh, antagonist. Uh, just awesome aura, just all about him. He comes down with Heyman, holding the championship belt, obviously, you know, the, 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 he actually forgot his championship belt in the first segment. Again, that's a bit of a much of muchness because I think they kind of saved that for uh, Heyman coming out and showing the championship belt as he got involved in the main event. Uh, but speaking of that main event, that is probably one of the best matches of the year. I'm putting it out there right now. Uh, we're going to be doing our best of 2014. Um, obviously, there were some great matches this year. That's that's in top tier mode right there. That match was everything about that was just. Perfect. It was better than anything on t- on on TLC. Putting out there right now, it's better than anything on TLC. The story that they told in that match was just excellent. J and J security. Holy shit! <laughs> this is what happens when you get Jerry Mercury. How hard are those the, uh, and Jimmy Noble in the match? How hard did they work to to sell that heel kind of side to Seth Rollins? And what a match Seth Rollins had. Obviously, what a week. Seth Rollins had by the end of a Super Smackdown we'll tell you exactly why that was the case but match of the year candidate for that this is an example and I've always said it throughout the whole year of why this roster that the WWE has got is one of the best rosters in a long long time and this match is a great example of it yeah uh, completely I thought it was a solid match between the two I, you know and, and once again like I said earlier oh, yeah. there was no need there was no need for uh, you know, a segment to promote this match because they were to, they performed. I mean, the storyline was already there. These two guys tore the house down, John Cena and Seth Rollins, mm-hmm. and the addition yep. of Brock Lesnar was just as just the icing on the cake. I mean, and oh, you yeah. know, this goes to show that Brock Lesnar is a big time draw. I mean, you even heard it from Joel. Oh, yeah. He said he once he heard Brock Lesnar was on the show, he watched. So it, it's. Yep. And it goes to show that Brock Lesnar has value. A lot of people are kind of bashing, you know, that he... And I was a little upset that he brought up the title the first time, but that's a good point that maybe they were saving it for him to come out later on with it. Who knows? But, um, you know, I thought that the final segment was good. The one more point I wanted to make about Raw that got me really excited was we're finally getting... Rusev is finally getting a legitimate opponent, a legitimate person to feud with in Ryback. I'm so excited to see these two go at it for the U.S. title. 
I think it's going to be great for both guys. I think this might be the first time we see Rusev lose. Um, and and I'm, I just hope Ooh. that these two can just tear the house down. Because I think if anyone can beat Rusev, I think it'd be it'd be a nice way. To, I think I think Ryback can be that guy. So I'm excited for this. I think these two um, need some. I think they complement each other so well. Rusev will be will sell the hell out of moves for for Ryback. Make Ryback look like a million bucks. And 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 this and Rusev gains with you know getting his first legitimate opponent, um, maybe since Mark Henry. We might use this to kind of tie into Super SmackDown and the good and the bad of Super SmackDown Live. It's funny that you bring up that uh, the Ryback-Rusev uh, uh, situation. Obviously, I didn't watch the segment, but I saw a recap of it on SmackDown. And I have to say that the show had a lot of really sol- solid and impactful progressions of some fresh new Rumble encounters. And Ryback and Rusev was one of them. I loved the segment on, on SmackDown. Uh, involving Ryback uh, getting blindsided by Rusev, getting kicked off the stage. I'm loving it. I'm good. I love a good heel beatdown. If you've followed the show, you know that's the case. And I love the fact that uh, Rusev seemingly looked, looked like he took out Ryback. Is, uh, yeah, I mean, we've got to start thinking now, like, who's going to beat Ryback? Like, I tell you, who's going to beat Ryback? Who's going to beat Rusev? You know, who's going to beat him? Um, mm-hmm. And when do they pull the trigger for that? I don't know if it's going to be the Royal Rumble. Like, I, I, it just, again, I, I, who knows what their mentality is on this whole situation? But obviously, I just see Rusev being defeated at WrestleMania. You go this long for for him not being pinned or submit. Like, the logical thing is to give the fans what they want at WrestleMania, have that big moment, and fill your show with these big moments. And that's that, that's definitely one of them. Obviously, the rumors were going on around that John Cena would be the one to reverse Rusev. Do, do, is Rusev going to be um, undefeated going into WrestleMania? Like, it, it's kind of one of those things. Like, do you have John Cena be the one to defeat Rusev for the first time? Does that make sense? Here's here's my thing, and you, I'm really glad you brought it up because I'm doing a um, WrestleMania 31, um, not prediction article, but just kind of laying out the landscape of what to expect for WrestleMania this year. And one of the matches I have booked is um, Ryan, um, Rusev versus Daniel Bryan. I think if, if you're Ooh. going to have Rusev come in, especially after Tribute to the Troops, they've kind of hinted at that, um, and they hinted at it when yes. Daniel Bryan was general manager. Um, I think I think Daniel Bryan would be a perfect person to beat Rusev. I think if you're not going to have Ryback do it, um, I think I think Daniel Bryan would be perfect. Have him come back, have Rusev go into WrestleMania. Um, undefeated and have Daniel Bryan beat the odds again at WrestleMania. I think that'd be perfect, a good return match for him. Um, that was just one of my ideas. I just spoiled it now because, you know, but it's, I'll do it for the, the fans of, of wrestling week that was. The teaser. The yeah. teaser for the article. Um, that would be fantastic. I'd love that. I mean, like, Rusev has really shown that he uh, works well with uh, uh, confident grapplers in the ring. We saw his matches against Jack Swagger. Really good, solid, great matches. Obviously, he's worked with a lot of big guys and still got some great matches out of uh, all these guys. And um, Daniel Bryan would just be incredible. Um, and and for him to be the one to defeat Rusev and be a smaller guy, the whole David and Goliath kind of match, 
I was going to say every single week I'll be there in Santa, Santa Clara, California. I'd love to see that live. That'd be fantastic. Imagine. And, and, uh, well, I was going to say, imagine, um, imagine if Daniel Bryan makes him tap out. Holy crap. That, build, that building would become unglued. Oh, I love it. Yes, yes. All for that. Uh, and uh, be sure to check out Aaron's article in the, in the coming weeks in regards to that WrestleMania 31 dream card. Um, well, the other good of SmackDown that I really, really liked, I really liked Roman Reigns' first uh, first uh, wrestling outing since uh, injury. I thought he looked great. I thought uh, everything was kind of like in sync. He's, he's All his set moves looked great. The fans were really behind him. They got into his comeback. Um, Fandango was, a, was a, just a solid hand to kind of sell everything that he was doing. Uh, he, got, he got just the right amount of offense because, you know, at the end, he's, you know, you you got to put your baby face in situations where you get right behind him, and they did that. And uh, I thought uh, Roman Reigns really carried himself like the maybe you know, the next big thing. I loved his little mouthing of the words, I'm back after after uh, beating Van Dango. And I just, yeah, it was just really made me feel good. I'm just like, that's, I just, I was like, man, that's, that's how you do it. That's good. Keep this guy simple. You know, like, look at that. You know, he, he read the crowd, he read the moment, and he just had that really impactful moment. Fantastic. And, the, and if he can keep that momentum up and, and, and WWE doesn't lose faith in them, which they should sometimes have the habit of doing with some people that they, 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 they lose uh, faith in, this, this is the kind of yeah. stuff I want to see from Roman Reigns. Yeah, I mean, completely agree. I think, you know, and I think Roman Reigns, like we said before, needs to just, Simple approach. Have him just beat town guys, and you know, just say nothing. He doesn't need to say anything. He's he 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 just lets his actions speak for himself. And and I think it was a perfect way to book him, especially kicking off SmackDown um, mm-hmm. with Reigns. I think it was great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, uh, we're talking about uh, um, good progressions into into rivalries. I I still love the Mizzes and the Miz and the Usos, and more like Usos. Jimmy Uso and his wife now. I'm loving Miz as this, as this like, kind of manipulative heel. I think it's adding some good stuff to that main main card roster that's, uh, and those, those main card feuds that you really need. It's a, I wrote an article a while back that the mid card is is the key to kind of making a, a really good show just as much as the main events are because you know, if we look at the Attitude Era, uh, every single person had a role. Every single person had a storyline that was on television and you, there's so many things to follow. You know, it's almost like a selection of ice cream. You know, some people like chocolate, some people like vanilla. So to quote Pat Patterson, um, you know, and it's always good to have that kind of choice. And uh, over the years, you know, the mid cards kind of like blended into obscurity, and the matches aren't really treated with some respect. But the Miz and the, the Miz and the Usos kind of feud I like because it's you know it's, it's well well told and it's it's a completely a different thing that to what the main event offers. So that was another positive. And I like what they did on SmackDown with the uh, Naomi getting the championship match and obviously Miz getting involved. And you could see it from a mile away, but it was it gives Jimmy Uso and it gives Naomi some kind of substance to their character. We kind of get to see them as a couple. You know, we already know Miz is a dick and obviously it's good for Miz's character as well. But, you know, give some depth to the, to the main, to the, uh, to the show, really. Um, but the bad of SmackDown. Now, I don't know, like Aaron, can we have can, can we have like these uh these wrestlers sell their injuries, like like Gene Ambrose, right? He 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 gets blinded, 
first of all, he, he like the previous week, he got his like he got his larynx bruised uh, by uh, uh, Bray Wyatt, and we had a big discussion of how they how that compared to when uh, Randy Savage did the same thing to to uh, uh, Ricky Steamboat. Ricky Steamboat was out for six mm-hmm. months, and Dean Ambrose was back the week after. Then we have this injury like where he gets blinded by this like this this, this electrical thing in the main event of uh, of TLC. There's no bandages, no nothing. It's the first time we've seen him since TLC, just walking out there like nothing's wrong. Now that was that, that annoyed me. But then we've got this stupid bunny versus Kane versus uh, Adam Rose situation, right? Mm-hmm. Kane tombstones this bunny, right? I can't believe I'm talking about like a bunny in 2014 in pro wrestling. But anyway, he gets tombstone, right? It's the same move. That, that took out Daniel Bryan, right? Daniel Bryan has not been seen since, and obviously with an injury angle, right? Why can't WWE realize, hey, we did the same kind of situation for Daniel Bryan. If we do it to this bunny character, he needs to be off television. He needs to be gone. Not only was he back the next day, but he was, like, getting physical as well. I just... Injuries are so important in wrestling. Like you know, like they, they like they wonder why. Like when they do like situations where they try, you know, like talking in a somber mood, and and fans don't attach to the moment it's because of situations like this. They need to sell their injuries, especially if something big comes up and they have to take people off television. They need to condition the audiences that injuries do matter. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's one of the biggest kind of gripes that anyone has is you know that sometimes you know we don't see people sell their injuries and that is a good point with, with, you know, Dean Ambrose. And, you know, I will say that the, the whole bunny and cane thing, I actually, I hate that I'm saying it, but I actually, I'm finding it very amusing. Um, I kind of, I, <laughs> I kind of love when Kane tombstones him, like that, that gets me so happy. Um, and I like that they're kind of giving Kane something to do that, you know, besides being the, the corporate Kane, they're giving him this role of just, you know, and I'd like to see Kane kind of go out and do this more, where they kind of treat him as the guy that just comes in to wipe out annoying people. You know, they can do it next week with Fandango if he starts to drone on. They can have him just come out and tombstone him. I think that'd just be a nice little gimmick for him <laughs> now that Kane has kind of become this joke. Um, but, you know, that is a good point with the selling. I, I think that's why um, I hold Rusev and, and Ziggler and, and even Seth Rollins to such high standards because they they really do sell. I mean, they, nobody sells like them. They're in that class. Even Eric Rowan, my guy, you know, he sells really hard. And a lot of guys, mm-hmm. you know, sell on the main roster, but some guys just don't. And that was one of the biggest problems I had with John Cena on Raw. I mean, he just came out, waltzed out like it, like he just took a light jog through the park. You know, he he saw he yep. didn't sell his match with Seth Rollins, but when Seth Rollins came out, he came out limping. Uh, you know, in his yep. match later that week, he had tape around his his abs. I mean, that, that's just the way you've got to sell it. So, um, there's a disconnect there. There's there's some guys that sell, some guys that don't. But what are you going to do? It's like what I mentioned to you, like during the week, and I'll mention it now. It's like sometimes pro wrestling, like traditional pro wrestling mentality, pro wrestling kind of like you know like. What we grew up watching, what we've been, you know, like told is the, is the fundamentals of the business. You know, selling. You know, like 
characters, uh, you know, heels and baby faces, and traditional kind of like themes. It's almost like it's becoming a gimmick. Like it's attached mm-hmm. to certain characters. It becomes like you know their calling card. Like with Brock Lesnar, he is like the the, the, the prototypical kind of like pro wrestling bully slash heel. That's his gimmick. It's attached to him, and that, and all the traditional kind of trends uh, kind of gravitated towards those kind of characters. It's, it's almost like becoming like that uh, in the back end of 2014, which has been a pretty tumultuous year when it comes to like um, pro wrestling. Obviously, you know, yes, yes, it's, it's, it's sports entertainment, and maybe that's the thing. Maybe that's what's happening. Pro wrestling is becoming even more d- disconnected from pro wrestling kind of like fundamentals. But I thought I'd throw that out there. So, so what do you guys think about that? Is, is pro wrestling and and, uh, and uh, sports entertainment kind of just becoming completely separate? You can tweet us at uh, wrestling uh, at wrestling Armbreak for myself, or uh, you can uh, or you can tweet at Aaron at Aaron underscore PWP, and you can start a conversation up about that. That'd be interesting. Now, obviously, we're going to move into Tribute of the Troops. I did not watch Tribute of the Troops. Aaron did. Um, the one where I'll ask you straight off the bat, and obviously you can give your thoughts in afterwards, this boot camp match uh, between um, Ambrose and Bray, how was that match? Um, I think the entire card, including that match, uh, if I had to define it in one word, it'd be just fun. It was just a fun show. Um, it, you know, it wasn't too serious. There were, you know, funny things. It, it just, it was just a solid show. I mean, they, they had a couple of just really just solid matches, including this boot camp match. Um, I thought Bray Wyatt, you know, sold being a heel really well. And he kind of channeled his inner Ric Flair in a sense where, you know, a lot of the times he, he was seen running away from Ambrose and even in the ring, he was shaking his head no, putting his hands up, you know, begging Ambrose not to hit him and, I think it was just a fun interactive match. The the troops were over, you know, were were happy to see Ambrose. He got one of the biggest pops of the night. Um, honestly, actually, though, I couldn't even tell because, of course, they had the auto-tuned uh, cheers and boos synced uh, in, of course, which they um, apparently, you know, coming out of tribute to the troops, there's a lot of reports saying that the, the troops were a little disappointed in the show. Um, but you know okay. you couldn't tell because of the <laughs> the constant cutting into the, the the crowd with them just you know generically cheering. So, um, but I thought the show, like I said, was solid. I think a lot of solid matches. The interaction with Rusev and Daniel Bryan toward the end. Um, a lot of one thing that really caught a lot of people's eye was um, during the segment between Rusev and Daniel Bryan, they had uh, soldiers surround the ring for against Rusev and. One of the sol- two of the soldiers, as a matter of fact, uh, propelled from the, the the sky, and that really kind of caught people off guard what? because, of course, you know the, um, the the famous Owen Hart incident. You know they swore that they would never have anyone propel from the sky again, uh, and they did that here. And now, of course, a lot of people are saying that it's just, you know, obviously it was uh, an army kind of stunt, and you know they had the. They, I'm assuming that they signed off on it, but I was really shocked to see. Um, people propel from the sky. I, I was I was stunned. Hmm. So, so sorry, sorry. Were they like paratroopers or like coming from coming from the ceiling? Is that the kind of thing they were going for? It was they. They were um, I guess in the rafters and um, they propelled with with a a line like a um, like if you were cliff diving mm-hmm. or something, you'd be propelling down with a line. They just came shooting down. So it. 
I don't know. I just a lot of people on even on Twitter were you know saying, well, you know, how could they even do this? You know, they they swore they mm-hmm. would never do something like this again, and you know, God forbid, what if? What if one of them got hurt? You know, they—they, they, I mean, yeah. imagine the publicity from that. From that, if 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 someone got hurt during that show, mm, especially involving U.S. troops, I can I can only imagine how yeah. great the pub that publicity would be. Um, but okay. So, any any other kind of notes from the uh, the show? I, I, do you, like obviously, you know, you're 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 from the U.S. and obviously, you know, there's a very eternal connection with. With, mil- with your military over there and whatnot, do you think that this tribute of the trip show is actually um, still still got its uh, luster after all these years, or do you think it's one of these shows that really, at the end of the day, it can be missed? Um, I think the priority to see it has gone down in the last couple of years because, and I think one of the biggest reasons for that is they're not in Afghanistan anymore. They used to go over and do the show there. Um, and they would, you know, do that, and then they'd have, you know, all the all legitimate soldiers out there outside. It was, in, you know, and it was just a cool scene that they used to do. I remember in 2005, they were showing a bunch of old tribute to the troops stuff um, on the network the entire week, and, you know, some of the older stuff was really good, um, you know, in the mid-2000s. And each year they've kind of moved away from it being actually about the military, like even this show they had you know it, it seemed like just regular people in the crowd and all the military guys were in the in the back in, in the chief seat so it just didn't make it was a little weird and mm-hmm. you know and, and it just i don't know it, it felt like another generic show it started off with a long promo segment of course with john cena and the miz and Hulk Hogan. <laughs> um you know that just seems like the formula they use but you know i thought i think the show has still value they just need to um just add something to it a little bit to, to make it more important um, for the troops. I mean, you know, the troops deserve um, a good show, and you know, uh, they just they deserve a little better. I think I think the show was okay, but they they could have done a much a lot a lot better. Well, there you have it, guys. That's the tribute of the troops review by our own Aaron Ramadoff. Um, yeah, I, I, again, it sounds like one of those shows that they kind of it's like one of those uh, scheduled shows that they have to kind of do and. Um, um, at, at least the troops got a, some special matches in regards to Bray and Ambrose. But uh, moving on to the NXT Weekly Awards, usually always the best and most fun part of the show because we love NXT and uh, we love giving the Weekly Awards out. So, I mean, um, this show, I think it was just it was a fine show. It didn't need to be anything out of control. Uh, obviously, there's no way it was going to outshine the greatness that was last week. But I thought they just did a very solid, uh, slow, methodical uh, progression out of uh, NXT Takeover, Takeover to the new uh, special, which will be airing. I have no idea when. Do you know when that's going to be airing, Aaron? Um, I don't think they've announced a new special yet. Um, I'm assuming we'll probably get one in um, the. I would assume March, March or maybe um, April or around that time. Okay. Well, so there you go. So, um, yeah, you know, I think it was just a very good kind of just fine progression out of uh, out of takeover. So we'll move straight into the uh, weekly downside of the week from myself. The booking of Enzo and Big Cass. The, it sounds like they're going to start teasing the breakup of this team. I think that something like this shouldn't be merited until Enzo and Big Cass actually win the tag titles. 
hopefully this is just a it's a one-off kind of thing. Maybe they were just testing their reaction. The crowd would give it, and I think the, the, the crowd spoke for itself. They went into the fact of maybe breaking these guys up, especially after the great intro that these guys have doing the little 12 days of Christmas thing. This is pro wrestling comedy. This team is like exactly what you want from comedy and your pro wrestling promotion. They're great. The fans love them. They're into their gimmick. They're into the act. They sing along with all the, with the intro. They, they I like, I, I do it every single week, every single time they come out, out, like, you know, you know, I, I find myself mouthing off what they're, what they're saying. It's great. It's great. I can't wait to see them. at I want to go to WrestleMania uh, next year. Um, but breaking up these guys is a big, big mistake, especially if they haven't even captured the tag titles in their uh, in their in their team. Yep, I had I had the same one. Uh, my downside was the possible breakup of Big Cass and Enzo. I I think, and I'm I'm hoping, like you said, this is just a one-off thing to just allow the ascension to get over. Um, I think it was. I hope I hope it was because these guys haven't even gotten to the main roster yet. So it's. And I think this this group can do so well in the main roster. I think that and you've you've made the comparison a hundred times with the New Age Outlaws. They have the gimmick, mm-hmm. they have the comedy, they they have everything to to be a successful tag team on the main roster. Um, I love the look of the two with Big Cass and, and Enzo and, and even Carmella now as their ballet. And I think and the, the Twelve Days of Christmas had me dying of laughter. I thought. Yeah. It was just, and they're just so good. Like you said, this is pro wrestling comedy at its best. It's not forced. These two are just legitimately funny guys, and that that's what mm-hmm. it should be. And I hope, I really hope they don't break these two up. The NXT up-and-comer of the week, um, I went with Becky Lynch. I thought she just did a really solid promo backstage. She had a lot of, uh, lot of her character. Obviously, you know, it's been quite muted. It's been sporadic at points because, like, you know, obviously the only thing she's gone off is just appearing on the show she hasn't really had a promo time so this is a good first outing for 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 her promo and she had a good solid match against bailey um i love it i love a submission finish fans pop big for it look great um yeah good stuff from becky lynch i'm i think they're obviously positioning her to maybe uh wrestle a charlotte in the next program for the nxt divas championship but before that we get uh we get a rematch for Sasha Banks and Charlotte for next week. I love NXT for this. They always have something that that that, that draws you in next week. And and considering what we saw last Thursday, NXT Takeover, I'm looking forward to this match. But Becky Lynch is my up and coming of the week. What did you have? Oh uh, well, <laughs> I had the same uh, same person, <laughs> Becky Lynch. I thought a promo like you said last uh, this week was, was solid and very just just natural. I thought she she came across very natural on the mic. Um, and in the ring, she really shined. And I love that they're kind of giving her a spotlight, taking Sasha Banks off the show this week and having her be on her own. I thought it Absolutely. really added validity to her. I mean, I think it really gives her some credibility uh, in the future when she is with Sasha. You know, a lot of people just like, who's this? Why is she? Like, there was really no explanation either. We didn't really get an explanation to why Becky Lynch aligned uh, herself with Sasha. We got that this week. Um, and I thought, mm-hmm. she, like you said, really shined in the, in the ring. I thought her submission maneuver was really cool. Um, and I think they're kind of propping her up for a future feud with either Sasha. I, I think she has huge babyface potential. I, I really do. I think she has a cool look. She mm-hmm. has cool music. I think she has a lot of potential as a babyface. So maybe eventually when Sasha, I think Sasha will eventually win 
the Divas title in, in, in the future. Maybe not next week, but you know, in the future, I think Becky Lynch and uh, and Sasha could have a big good feud, and I think Sasha and Bailey could have a good feud. So uh, we'll see where that goes. Are you in the same mindset? Just on, on a side note, are you in the same mindset as I am, and that they're leading towards Bailey turning heel? They have to be by now. She keeps getting beaten every single week, like, and she's being like, you know, she like she, she keeps standing up for herself because she keeps getting beaten down. She keeps, I'm, as if she's turning, she's got to turn heel soon, right? I don't know. I, I mean, it, it depends on the timing with Charlotte. I think if you're going to have Charlotte go up to the main roster sometime soon. Um, there's going to be a void as a top babyface uh, diva or, 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 or woman. So um, I think that'd be tough to turn her heel. Like I said, it all depends on Charlotte. If they if they decide to bring Charlotte up in the next month or so, um, I think Bailey has big potential to finally kind of emulate Sami Zayn in, in a way. You know, she's been chasing that diva star, that women's title for for a while. I think it'd be cool to have Sasha win it eventually and have her hold it for a couple months and then have Bailey continue to chase and chase and chase until she eventually gets it at, at hopefully maybe a special event or, or one of those uh, specials they put on. Mm, yeah, I'd like to see Stuart stay as a baby face. I was just seeing her booking as of late and I'm thinking she's losing a hell of a lot and uh, she keeps trying to like, be positive. I'm, I'm thinking like when she, like, I'd like her to turn heel and then maybe reignite the babyface thing when she moves up to the main roster. Whether that will work, it all just depends on the crowd and how they they, they uh, react to it, really. But uh, I think this ton of potential storyline to be told um, in regards to a, a heel Bailey, it'll be very interesting kind of see, to see it. Because when you've got a character that's so happy, you always kind of wonder what, what, what she'd be like if she was the complete opposite. But NXT's MVP of the week, I didn't give it to a person. Because I thought Kevin Owens did a, a a solid good job. His wrestling was great, but I thought his music gets the MVP of the week. Just <laughs> the just the layout of it, the feel of it, beats when that when that when that backing drum comes in. That it just it just it reeks of a. I, I immediately thought of Brock Lesnar. Obviously, you know Brock Lesnar, Brock Lesnar. But if you're looking at for the NXT equivalent. Um, you could look at Baron Corbin, sure, and I love his entrance, but there's just something about uh, Kevin Owens that just reeks of a megastar kind of entrance. You immediately, you know, he he looks different. He comes out there, he, you know, he he looks rough and tough and whatnot. And I just love his music. It, just, it gets me excited. The minute, the minute he interrupted uh, Adrian Neville, I just, I was like, man, this is good music. And I think it's it's definitely super, uh, megastar material. And who was your MVP of the week? Um, I went with Adrian Neville. I thought Adrian Neville came across very well. I think, you know, he's kind of regained that babyface status he had before he feuded with Sami Zayn. Everyone's kind of on his side now, especially after the handshake or the hug that they had with, um, he, he had with Sami Zayn at TakeOver. So, um, I thought Adrian Neville kind of regained some of his babyface status. Um, I thought he came across very well in the match. Um, and I think that you know, a lot of people were kind of disappointed in the match uh, with with Owens and Neville. Um, and we kind of talked about it before we came on the air that I think they're going to save it. I think they're saving this feud or this match for a later date, um, you know, because they didn't really give us everything. They, it was a lot of, uh, you know, cat and mouse with, with Owens going to the outside a lot. So I think they're going to save this match for, for a future date. But um, I thought Adrian Neville looked great. I love that they. Uh, it, it appears like he's going to be off TV for a couple of weeks. 
um, after the, uh, the power bomb on the um, side apron there. And I love that they're making Owens into this this dominant heel that's taking top stars out of uh, or off TV. I think that's that that's a really smart move, and they're really building him as a um, as a top heel. But I thought Adrian Neville came across very well, and he's my MVP of the week. We forget that of what like uh, of what Adrian Neville was like, especially from a permanent stance when he actually started NXT. You know, mm-hmm. he's known for his wrestling and nothing really else. And uh, obviously, his wrestling is amazing. The one thing that was missing is a, is a kind of aura and that kind of presence as a as a top tier kind of superstar. And I think Neville's really funny. He's niche every single week in that regard. And I think he's doing a tremendous job. The finish. So I love about NXT. These double count-out finishes, these disqualification finishes serve a purpose. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like, obviously, the, like it's very smart. If you're going to have, like, this main, this big main event, you know, it's incredible. you got to protect, you got to think about, you know, we've got to protect these people, you know. Like, we're not going to have Kevin Owens beat uh, Adrian Neville straight off the bat. At the, at the end of the day... You know, like we, we, a lot of people get sh- uh, well pissed off about TLC. Just on a side note, about the fact that Seth Rollins didn't defeat John Cena. Seth Rollins is a heel. Kevin Owens is a heel. You know, like we can't have these guys as like you know like this family beat. Uh, you know, um, all these baby faces. What like, like there's a time and a place for that. Um, and 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 last week on NXT in regards to. Um, so this week, in regards to Kevin Owens, it's not time for to, for them for him to beat um, Adrian Neville. It's time for him to get, get get aggressive and show that he's a he's an impact player, and he did that. And um, yeah, I I love this finish, and I also love just very quickly as we wrap up NXT, and I don't mind spending time on it because it's the best thing going on wrestling right now. Um, I like the fact that this show spaces out their stars. I mean, we were talking about this before we went on the air, and you know, I'm, I'm like. Who who wasn't on the show that is a big star that we will be looking forward to seeing next week? We said the Lucha Dragons, but um, Hideo Itami and Finn Balor were on the show. You know, mm-hmm. like they space out these these appearances so like they don't over um, expose their talent. They keep you know they they recycle the talent. You know, one week we'll see you know one week we'll see Sami Zayn, the next week we'll see Adrian Neville, the next week we'll see, you know next week we'll see Balor and uh, Itami. I like that, and I think I don't understand why they can't do that on the main roster, especially with two shows. You know, like why can't we have a bit of a recycling of the, of, of the massive roster and give guys and girls that big exposure for like one show, like maybe every two weeks? Um, yeah, I, I kind of see your point, but at the same time. You know, NXT only has an hour to fill, whereas if they were a three-hour show, I, I I would assume that, you know, we, we'd see everybody every show. And that, that's kind of the problem that the main roster has, is they have so much time to fill. They have a three-hour mm-hmm. show on Monday. They have a, a two-hour show on Friday. They have a one-hour show on Tuesday. I mean, it's, it's and even we forget about superstars sometimes as well, another one-hour show. So it's, <laughs> they have so much content to fill up mm-hmm. that it's, it just, it's just tough to to do that. I mean, I don't know how you can keep Cena and, and Ambrose off raw, but you know, put them on. It's, it's a tough, it's tough to maneuver, but I do mm. see your point as far as NXT goes, where they do space out their guys, but they can, they can afford to do that. They can afford to, to let uh, Sami Zayn be off one week and have him bring him back next week. And, 
you know, they, they can they can afford to do that because one, it's only a one hour show, and two, they have so much talent down there that it's, they can recycle. Yeah, very good point, and it comes down to the fact that you know, like, yeah, it, it, it's a very, it's not really a good comparison considering NXT is on the network and Raw, SmackDown are on, you know, free to like your free to air television on mainstream television. And there's a lot of other factors that go into it, and obviously, you know. Dean Ambrose is not at the level of uh, John Cena and neither is Seth Rollins, and that's probably why they need him always on the show. So that makes a good point. But uh, that is uh, NXT, the weekly awards. Always a good show. If you haven't bought the network, as we say every single week, buy the network for the show. You will not be disappointed. So we're going to move into the match of the week. Um, I'll, I'll say it right now. My match of the week was Cena versus Rollins on Raw. I think I made that very, very clear. Match of the year, as far as I'm concerned, up up there, it's in contention. I just loved everything about this. It did exactly what it needed to do. Everyone looked good, including the Stooges on the outside. And Seth Rollins, what a week! Like, like this guy is just growing before our eyes. In the crap that has been December and November in WWE, there's one guy that's been just continuously rising. Dean Ambrose is kind of like you know, just getting maybe it's a slightly stale. But, you know, Rollins is now on this, this fast track. He's getting better. His promos are getting better. His wrestling is just, like, on par. He looked like a megastar and looked like he belonged against uh, Cena and, um, on Monday Night Raw. Yeah, I thought that match was really good. Um, I went with Dolph Ziggler and Rollins on SmackDown. I, I love that they closed the show. I love that Ziggler continues wow. to get this main event push that – I'm hoping he it continues and he's he's closing shows, which I love and and, and I love that the, the lasting image of SmackDown was Ziggler making his way up to the ramp, holding the Intercontinental Championship very close. I think that's just a perfect way to end Super SmackDown um, when you talk about Ziggler and, and kind of developing him into a main event star. And we of course have an article up on ProWrestlingPowers.com. Um, I forget who wrote it. Uh, <laughs> Um, but I think, you know, it, it talks about Dolph Ziggler being um, the next guy or maybe possibly if they, if they want to develop him into that, if they want to make him into a, uh, you know, a top guy for them that they're they're beginning to and that he, he's he's becoming one of those guys. Uh, Cal, uh, Cal, Wing, Cal Wing wrote that article, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think the only way you're going to learn is by putting these guys in these main event situations. And uh, if Seth Rollins is a great example of that, he's been nearly like with his time with the Shield, and now with his time as this up-and-coming uh, star, uh, uh, one of the probably he's probably one he's probably WWE's top top heel outside uh, Brock Lesnar. Putting him in these situations is the, is the only way he's going to learn to get, to get better. And I'm not talking about when Dolph Ziggler was like wrestling Randy Orton here and there, and then before before uh, after a while he'd go straight back down to the mid card. I'm talking about consistent main events, and that's what we've got from uh, Dolph Ziggler pretty much, you know, pretty pretty much consistently since uh, Survivor Series. So keep that up. That's what they should be doing. Um, I want to, I want Ziggler to succeed. I want to see these new stars make it. So uh, yeah, that was uh, that was our matches of the week, and uh, yeah, good good week for wrestling. That's for sure. Okay, so we're going to move into the podcast of the week. This week I chose the Steve Austin Show. With Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer, uh, obviously we are in the process and still in the ongoing process of trying to get Dave Meltzer onto uh, Wrestling's Week uh, Wrestling's Rope Break, which is our interview-centric show. 
uh, which airs sporadically on Wednesdays at uh, at 9 p.m. Eastern. But uh, for the meantime, we uh, Steve Austin got him on, on the show to talk TLC, WWE, and so much more. But uh, we, I want to find some excerpts uh, in regards to this interview. It was a very, very good interview. We covered a lot of ground in regards to the pay-per-view. Uh, but really, there was a ton of discussion about um, uh, just elements of the business that are, are, are kind of topical at the moment. And I'm just trying to find... Um, first point, because we talked about promos earlier in the show, and um, Aaron, what's your, uh, can you just reiterate what your what your point of uh, the uh, the promos were in regards to you know uh, scripted versus unscripted promos? Well, I, I you know Chris Jericho makes this point that I always go back to is you know he 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 talks about the best promos are the ones that you know that WWE allows that person to be that be themselves, but, but amplified to 10, be that, be the um, alter ego to their own personality. And I think that's, that's such a great way to describe that. You know, that's the way that works. And if you give somebody a script, if you give somebody, um, you know, even for the show, I'll use myself as an example. I, I'd rather put down a couple bullet points about a topic than read word for word, um, what I thought about it, you know, I don't sit here and, and, and write a paragraph on what I thought about this match or that match. I, I put a couple bullet points down and I talk from those bullet points. I think that's, that's the way that somebody naturally talks about things. I don't think anybody reads the script word for word when they're cutting a promo, when they're talking to people, that's just not a natural way of talking, you know? And I think that's one of the biggest things with Roman Reigns is that he, he just needs to be allowed to be himself they just need to give him a couple bullet points and say, Roman, be yourself. You know, he has natural charisma. I think Steve Austin said it a hundred times. Mm-hmm. And even, even Chris Jericho, you talk to him, he's got natural charisma. He's got, he's very cool, just aloof and just, he's just a cool guy. I mean, you just let him be himself. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I, there, there's a technical problem with one of the audio clips that I've got here, but I've got the other two. But well, the point that uh, Meltzer was making, which was very, very interesting, it's like, um, you know, he's very good friends with Ric Flair and uh, superstar Billy Graham, and he's talked to them many times about the uh, structure that WWE has currently. And they both flat out said that, that, like, in 2014, there'd be no way that they would be able to, you know, like, like complement this kind of system. Like, they, there's no way they would maybe even succeed uh, and find their own characters the way they did. Uh, uh, by assimilating themselves into the, into this day's system, obviously you know there's a lot of other factors, prime time television, you know a live mic, uh, but at the same time you know it, it's it's kind of unfortunate that uh, the last few situations in which uh, uh, legends like Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair, and all that stuff have had a live mic, they've said a lot of you know stuff that's kind of become a bit. It's kind of ruffled the uh, the feathers of the front office of WWE, so I guess that's kind of the, their reasoning. But at the same time, you know, like the disadvantages that we're having people and stars that's come up and kind of like are forced into a situation where it doesn't feel natural. The delivery isn't natural. The characters doesn't feel relatable because it's not from their own words. And obviously, uh, maybe as they get a bit more uh, higher on the totem pole, they have a bit more freedom. But uh, you know, I'm all for uh, the old school way of doing promos. But move on to the other point that uh, Dave Meltzer was talking about, and actually Austin brought up with uh, 
with uh, Meltzer was the fact that, you know, a casual fan's perspective to a hardcore fan's perspective. And he did that in, in the simple questions asking, like, asking Meltzer, what, what do you want? You're a lifelong guy. What do you want? I, you know, it's funny. I mean, what I, what I don't really worry about what I want. I mean, I, 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 I think that, like, what, what they do in Japan, or well, Japan, what do you worry about? It's, it's, it's close to what I want. No, but, but to me, to me, it's like, what, what I, I'm, I'm, I'm like a 40-year fan. So I'm looking at it very different. I'm looking at, like, you know, like, from a technical standpoint, things like that, you know, which, which is not what the average fan's looking at. So, so I, I, I want what... I, I want what works for business, and I want what the fans want. So to me, that's what it is. I mean, I would I would rather listen to the fans and figure out what they want because it's you okay, know what you're getting at That's a tough one because I think that there's so many fans that want so many different things, but at the end of the day, they I, I think that they want to be gripped by the thing, and they want to be taken for a ride, and they want to watch it past a surface level. So he kind of brings up a very interesting point. Like, you know, is, is it important for the wrestling fan and us to kind of distance ourselves from what we love and what we embrace to what the casual fan might want? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've made that point a hundred times that, you know, what necessarily you and I want or the clinical internet or hardcore fans want is completely different to what my nine-year-old niece wants or my my 37-year-old brother who just casually happens to just watch here and there. So it's, 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 you've got to remember everything WWE and we love to bash them for things they do, but everything they do has a purpose. They, they don't just throw things together and go, well, let's see, let's just throw this out there. Everything you have a purpose. No, I sometimes do. You know, but no, I, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I think they always, I think they always have a purpose. They always have something that they're targeting, someone that they're targeting with, with everything. And I think, you know, like for example, I'll make a really good point here. Um, my when I watch with my my niece and my my two nieces that are nine and six, okay, I, when I babysit them sometimes on Friday nights or something, we'll watch SmackDown together. And when they see the bunny, they freak out. They love the bunny. They they always oh, look at the bunny. Look at the bunny. So everything has a purpose. Obviously, the bunny is geared toward my nine-year-old niece and my six-year-old niece. So it's everything WWE does has a purpose. Everything. Everyone wants something different. What I want is probably different from what my niece wants, and that's fine with me. My niece doesn't want to see Brock Lesnar come out and beat the hell out of everyone. She gets scared when that happens. So it's just they've got to they've got to find that even balance of, and they'll never find it. That's the thing. They'll never find that even balance that uh, that pleases everybody. Someone will always be unhappy, but you've got to take the good with the bad. Yeah, I think it's kind of important sometimes uh, to think of the uh, casual fan and in, in, in your criticisms of of what happens. And I guess the the point I always leaned lean against when I'm like arguing why wrestling should be better and what all this stuff is like pro wrestling at its core is such a, an amazing entertainment medium that mm-hmm. I think it transcends any kind of era. 70s, 80s, 90s, it can captivate an audience, and it's captivated audiences all like, ever since it, like it's it was it was it created you know in the 50s, um, even before that. I just there's elements and fundamentals that I think should always be adhered to 
no matter how much, like, yeah, how far you go entertainment-wise. Because obviously, as you said, entertainment is very fickle. Sometimes people love it, sometimes people hate it, sometimes, or sometimes they're in the middle. But I think if you stay true to the fundamentals of pro wrestling and keep that at the core of what WWE is doing, I just don't. I see it as a win-win situation every single time. And it's not about me being a casual fan or me being a hardcore fan. If you stay true to those elements and stay true to traditional pro wrestling booking, and you do, and then you do all the the, the, the sizzle and all all the gimmicks on top of that, I it it comes for almost near perfect kind of situation and and, and medium to kind of like promote to. What do you think about that? Uh, you know, I think that's a good point, and, and I will say that I think good wrestling is is for everybody. I think my 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 niece will love to see good wrestling. You know, two guys zipping around the ring, high action, a lot of action, a lot of fast paced stuff. And I think that translates for everybody. I think good wrestling translates to every single fan. So that's obviously something that you know can please every fan. But at the same time, you know, it's it's hard to it's just. It, it's so hard to to deliver on that every time, you know. It, it's just it's so hard for WWE to, uh, you know, uh, please their 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 uh, their shareholders. It's hard to please the talent. It's hard to please the fans. It's it's you've got so many people that you have to cater to that it it just becomes hard sometimes. And I under, you know I, I understand that. Mm. Uh, the rest of the podcast, it's up on podcast one at the moment. Uh, obviously, there was another audio clip that I wanted to give, but uh, Block Talk Audio has just been fantastic tonight. It's been so good. So I can't actually show it to you, but that's fine. Um, he talked about a, a lot about Ziggler and, and, and what, what needs to happen with him. Uh, great some, you get some really good insight into what Austin thinks uh, Ziggler needs to be the next big thing in WWE. Uh, they talk about... This is a lot, uh, they talk about a little bit of backlash from the, uh, the Austin, Austin podcast with uh, Vince McMahon. We get a, we get some uh, fresh thoughts on uh, on uh, what he thinks coming out of the interview, and they kind of tie into what happened at TLC. Uh, Dave Meltzer kind of gives a rundown of what should be done with the WWE Network and uh, and and some solutions to the problems that they're having with their content and how they should pu- uh, publicize it. So a really good interview. Um, I'm, I'm a big Dave Meltzer fan. I know a lot of people aren't. That's cool. You're entitled to your opinion, but I think he's got a lot of uh, merited uh, points for being a 40-year fan and someone that's been writing uh, 20,000 word uh, newsletters since 1983. So I think he's got some ideas of what 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 works and what doesn't work in pro wrestling because he's seen a lot. So check out that um, podcast on podcast one. Uh, really good and really worth seeing and sorry, listening to, obviously. So we're going to move into the, uh, our weekly visit to the vault this week. Considering how how up and down TLC was and how many you know, are doing pay-per-views on it, I think it was kind of important to look back on the history of TLC and, and provide a match, a TLC match, that worked and uh, that made kind of like, made uh, the, the pay-per-view what it is today. And... Uh, I wanted to go away from the the, the tried and true ones, that, you know, in SummerSlam 2001, sorry, Summer, SummerSlam 2000, WrestleMania 17, and I wanted to go with what, what, what is considered one of the, the forgotten uh, TLC matches that happened in uh, May of 2001, and that was TLC 3 between Edge and Christian, the Dudleys, the Hardys, and uh, Chris Jericho and Chris Benoit for the tag team championships. 
Now, obviously, some some of you, some of you who are listening may have not heard of this match. Um, it was the backlash of uh, caused by uh, Benoit and Jericho defeating uh, Triple H and Austin for the tag titles on Monday Night Raw, and, have, and uh, that's considered one of the one of the best uh, Raw matches in history. It's definitely worth checking out. We actually reviewed it on this show, and if you want to check it out, you can check out the archives of Wrestling's Week that was. But uh, Vince McMahon came out on SmackDown pretty much the night after, uh, well, technically the night after Raw, uh, the Raw match, and announced that he was going to put uh, Benoit and Jericho up against uh, the Hardys, the Dudleys, and Edge and Christian in the first ever four-way TLC match. Now, obviously, this is this reeks of Attitude Era <laughs> kind of mentality, you know, throwing uh, throwing every kind of gimmick uh, against the wall and seeing what sticks and. This is definitely one that stuck. Uh, this is a great example of like TLC matches kind of telling a story and, and serving a purpose. Um, the whole thing was to put over this tag team title reign of a very short tag team title reign in the actual in retrospect of uh, Benoit and Jericho. And what a way to do it by having Benoit and Jericho out uh, three of the top teams in pro wrestling history, pretty much, in the Hardys, Dudleys, and Edge and Christian. Um, the 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 MVP of this match was Chris Benoit. I just he, midway through the match he gets taken out. The story of the match is that uh, Jericho's finding it alone, and just, uh, the announcers are just talking about how it's going to be a foregone conclusion that Jericho's going to lose the tag titles. Benoit makes this trem- tremendous kind of comeback. His brutality and his quick wit and his, his aggressiveness just fits this kind of mentality of uh, this match. And um, Aaron, uh, how good is the intensity? Uh, and and just the just the fact that these this, these four teams they take the spots that we know and love and then they just advance them and then they give us something new that we've never seen before and uh, like just insanity all around. Yeah, I think that that's one of the biggest points of this match is that they they continue to top themselves. Every every single spot was topped by another best a better spot and after that another better spot. So. Um, that that just goes to show that I, I think all you know all eight of these guys came together and you know they put together a tremendous match and and another thing that kind of popped out to me about this match was the commentary. I mean Michael Cole was actually pretty freaking good and and I don't know what mm-hmm. happened from then and now but I remember Michael Cole used to be a pretty good announcer and people used to actually like him and he was you know he was solid in these days. I don't know what happened now. Uh, maybe it's not his fault. Who knows? But um, I thought, you know, he he and Taz did a really good job of selling this. I think he did a really good job of selling Chris Benoit's injury. Um, and I think Chris Benoit, you know, of course, we, you know, the really likes to forget him from history. But you know, he proved why he is one of the best to ever step foot in the ring. And and I think oh, yeah. this match was just a work of art. Oh yeah, Benoit's. Selling, he's screaming, um, no. his innovative spots. I love like it's like obviously the, the big spot in the match is him trying to do a diving headbutt from the outside of the ring through a table onto Matt Hardy and Matt Hardy roll out of the way. Crash and burn spot for Benoit. He comes back in the match and obviously he's holding his ribs. And this innovative spot, obviously if anyone knows Edge and Christian, there's a spot where he they always used to do the concerto, or both members like of a team. Just smashed the opponent with a, with a chair on each side of the head. You know, great spot. Um, obviously, you know, like Benoit, being the instinctive kind of ring veteran, 
instinctively like covered his head. And obviously his ribs, his injured ribs were exposed, and they concerted his ribs. And it was just like just an awesome, brutal kind of spot. And if you haven't seen this match, it's so easy to find on, on YouTube, guys. It's uh, and girls, of course. It's, it's if you type in WWF TLC three part one, and there's three parts. All three parts are up there. Go check out this match. Like, and, and back in the day when SmackDown didn't have any crowd sweetening, there was no need because the fans are going absolutely apeshit for this the whole way through. You could imagine like, going to a show in 2001. Can you imagine going to a SmackDown in, in 2014, Aaron, where we get a TLC four-way <laughs> with this kind of level of stars? Like, it's completely unheard of. But uh, that is the uh, the weekly uh, visit to the vault match. Do check it out. It's definitely worth the price of admission. We're going to finally wrap things up. It's a long show this week, obviously, with the, the technical stuff, and we do apologize for that. But let's finish it up with the spotlight question of the week. Aaron, let's have it. Well, considering that uh, TLC uh, is in the books, and that was one of the, that was a gimmick pay-per-view that we like to call them, the spotlight question of the week is, um, are you tired of gimmick pay-per-views? Would you rather see them go away? Would you rather see, uh, you know, WWE bring back pay-per-views like No Mercy where there's just no real gimmick to it? It's just, you know, a, a pay-per-view filled with matches. And I think that's, you know, that's a topic for, for you know, a, a, another day where we can go into it more. But, you know, the, the gimmick pay-per-view has gotten really really boring i mean it feels like you know they just they just put these gimmick matches together and they're just for the hell of it you know and you know people forget that these type of stipulations like a tlc match is designed to end a feud or bring a feud to another level or or whatever it is you know and and i think that you know we've gone away from that and of course on pwp.com prosandpowers.com um, Ryan Davis is going to have a, an article about this coming out in the next couple of days. So be uh, stay tuned for that. And, of course, if you want to answer this question, you can, of course, tweet me um, at uh, Aaron underscore PWP and Joel at Wrestling Arbery. Yeah, so like, yeah, we, we, we want to hear your feedback on what you think about this. Uh, are you tired of giving pay-per-views? I certainly am. I've been tired of them ever since they were invented. I think it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It completely destroys the purpose of the gimmick itself. Um, Dave Meltzer made some good points about that actually in the uh, the podcast of the week that's worth checking out, and he kind of uh, echoes my own sentiments about the fact that you know he makes a really good point. I was going to finish up with this. He goes, you know, like if a gimmick if a gimmick serves a storyline, then it's that's good. If it serves a, a way of, of of making money and drawing in new eyes, it's even better. But if it just serves, uh, you know, a, a, just a random point. For a random purpose, then the, the, you, might have, you might as well just have a wrestling match instead of a gimmick match. And I think uh, TLC from this week is a good example of that. Um, it's way too much stuff going on, and, the, and the, the fans become desensitized by it, even though the action might be good. So check us out. Send us a uh, send us a tweet uh, at Aaron uh, underscore PWP or at R, uh, Wrestling R Break. That's uh, me and Aaron's Twitter account. We want to hear what you think. We also want to hear what you think about the show. You know, any feedback, good feedback. Obviously, we have, once we have a Facebook uh, page set up and, we, and a website set up, it's going to be easy, easier for you to kind of like interact with the show. But in the meantime, send us some tweets at uh, Wrestling R Break and at Aaron underscore PWP. 
Well, that is all we have time for tonight. Thank you so much for listening, wherever you may be out there. And Aaron, as always, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we'll definitely see you next week. Absolutely. Same time, same place. And that's it, man. And uh, obviously, you know, we've got a big show. We've got a big uh, 2014 wrap-up show next week. Expect a brand-new kind of structure, brand-new format uh, just for that one show. And obviously, we're going to get some hints of where you can find us for the brand-new year, the brand-new reboot of uh, wrestling, uh, Wrestling's Week that was in 2015, which is going to be sponsored and powered by MainEventMadness.com. So thank you so much for listening, wherever you may be. And we'll catch you on the next Wrestling's Week That Was.